0: Well, welcome to the uh, Family Church. Uh, so, uh, almost more unfamiliar faces than familiar faces this morning because the way that, cause there were so many people being away. But it's great to have you with us. Whether Some, some of you, I think you've been here a few times before, in various locations that we've been in. Others, maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you're on holiday or whatever. Anyway, it's great to have you with us. And also, of course, if you're a regular, then it's fantastic to have you with us as well. You are just as welcome as, as the visitors. Uh, I also feel like I'm practicing for next week, because next week I'm preaching in Bidport. Um, who arranged me to have two preachers back-to-back? I don't preach very often, and they get two, two Sundays in a row. So uh, And yeah, I feel like a visitor, because I also haven't been here the last two weekends either. So two weekends away, here to preach, and then away next weekend, so I apologize for that. Um, I was away at Motorfest last weekend, uh, hence the T-shirt. I'll explain that in a moment or a bit later on. Did I say, my name's Andrew. Sorry if I didn't say my name is Andrew. Uh, I'm part of the leadership support team here. My wife Rachel's leading worship, and yeah, it's just fantastic to be here and to be worshiping. And yeah, God doesn't need our worship, does he? But how we really do want to respond to him. We want to respond to God for what he's done to us. We worship because we just, we need to worship. We need to worship God. Yeah, God is complete in himself. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he's just, in that awesomeness, he's created us and allows us to join with him through the death of his son, Jesus. So back in 1976, when I were a lad... Apparently, I had a broad Yorkshire accent when I was nine. Do you really, really believe that, apparently? My my father was in the Air Force. We moved around quite a lot. Um, and so as part of that moving around business, so in 1976, I started secondary school. And, oh, maybe I shouldn't stand on cables. I think these cables might be gone next week, which would be fantastic. So great. Um, so I just started secondary school, and it was a school in Yorkshire. Hence the accent, I guess. And... I had a bright green blazer about my new school uniform. It was a comprehensive school, and for two terms, I went to the school in my bright green blazer. And then, my father, as I said, was in the air force, so he was going to be posted overseas. So we relocated down to Lincolnshire, and I went to a different school. So for one term of that first year of secondary school, I went to a different school in in Lincolnshire, and I had a black or possibly navy blazer. So I suddenly found myself at school wearing a bright green blazer when everybody else in the school, my my mother thought this was a good idea, she thought it was a good idea that she negotiated with the school that I could carry on wearing my bright green blazer and all the other two or three hundred pupils would wear a lovely dark blazer. Did I stand out like a sore thumb? (laughs) And did I get picked on as a result of that? Because that's what happens, isn't it? When you're a little bit different, you get picked upon. So, yeah, so that was my experience, of my first year experience of secondary school, was wearing a different color blazer from everybody else. And I had some friends, but also, yeah, I, I did attract a certain amount of unwanted and unhelpful attention as part of that. I was, I was different during that time. I turned the screen around. I can actually see it without wandering around quite so much. Whoops, and then tip water everywhere. Oh, I need a PA to come and do this for me. Rachel, you wanna, do you want the job? <laughs> <laughs> we are working our way through the uh, book of Thessalonians, first, first Thessalonians as a series, and this is the third talk in that series. The first talk Mick gave a couple of weeks back. Uh, and the theme really out of that was you are... Chosen, which is not where I expected the PowerPoints to start. There we are. Okay. They just like it. We love it when the PowerPoints are out of order. That's my own fault. So, so, so the first talk that Mick gave a couple of weeks back from one Thessalonians was, was all about you are chosen the fact that God has chosen us. It's not by chance that we come into his family, that we're part of his kingdom. It's, it's not, we're not running, uh, sort a picture of a, of a crowd of people coming to Jesus and we're running around at the back sort of saying, pick me, pick me as well. But actually, no, Jesus has chosen. If you're here today as part of his kingdom as, and with faith in him, he has chosen you, which is an amazing thing. I'm going to skip the theology about all the people who, who aren't Christians and whether they've been chosen. Because I think the important thing is that we understand we have been chosen. I think you can get tied in knots with it. What about everybody else? And I think the reality is we have been chosen, and we should hold tight to that. God has picked us specifically, individually. though so we do not deserve it. So and Steve preached last week. Uh, he spoke very much about you are loved. And so, the, the, one of the things I took away from, from what he said was this picture of a child being embraced by their father, unconditional love, a child being loved by the father. And I felt, as I looked at the, the passage I'm being given in Thessalonians today, that really the message that came through was about, you are different. You are different, and we'll explore that as we go through. You are you are different, so you are chosen, you are loved, and you are different. So let's I go backwards in the slides because I've managed to mess up the order entirely. And let's read the section from uh, one Thessalonians two. It's the second part of the chapter, verses fourteen to the end. And just a bit of background: as background has been given on previous preachers about Thessalonians. Thessalonians or Thessalonica is is a city in Greece and Paul went there as part of one of his missionary journeys and he was there for a relatively short period of time the bible records uh, in the book of acts that he was there for three sabbaths speaking in the synagogue and it's he was probably in Thessalonica for probably about 2 or 3 months something like that but during that time he set up the church in Thessalonica so Paul uh, with Timothy and Silas they set up the church in Thessalonica and then they moved on and then a while later Paul wrote a letter to the church, and he wanted to know whether—well, he wanted to know, frankly, whether they were still there. You know, are there there actually any Christians left? Because remember, this is an age before internet. This is an age before email. This is an age before the postal service in the way that we understand it. I mean, if you wanted to know what was happening, you needed to have a—you know—pretty much go there to find out for yourself. So, um, and Paul, a bit later in the letter, actually, just after this, he talks about the fact that he's actually sent Timothy. Off to Thessalonica to see what's going on, and, who, and Timothy has just come back. And when Timothy comes back, Paul writes his letter. So Timothy obviously gets back and says, "You know what? That church we planted, it's still there. God is still working in those people, and but they could do with some encouragement, and some tips, and some pointers." So Paul's, yeah, I'm making assumptions there, but Paul Paul responded to Timothy's return and wrote the letter. So this is what we're looking at today, and uh, so in the first couple of bits were covered by Mick and Steve uh, last week. So Last two weeks. So, what we'll look at now is the, uh, the end of chapter 2. For you, brothers and sisters, so this is Paul writing to the church. His, le- his letter is addressed to the church, it's not addressed to the leaders of the church, it's addressed to the entire church. Uh, and so, it's for the whole church to take on board. For you, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in the church. Now, this letter has become part of Scripture. This letter was copied and copied and copied. It was circulated amongst other churches because it was so encouraging. And it's become part of the Bible. We've taken it as part of Scripture. We believe it's wholly inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God is, so Paul is talking through this to the church in Thessalonica, but God is using this also to talk to us. This is talking to us as well. So the specifics relate to their situation, but a lot of the, the general principles that we'll be going through uh, as we talked through this morning will be are very much addressed to us. So for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea. So he's talking about the church there. It's a bit of a halfway through his paragraph this bit, but, but for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea. So you became imitators of God's churches in Judea. Which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles, so that they may be saved. In this way, they also they always heap up their sins to the limit the wrath of god has come upon them at last but brothers and sisters when we were orphaned by being separated you for a short time in person but not in thought Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. This is Paul talking about the fact he he wanted to come and see the church again. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope? Our joy? Or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So, so those verses from the end of 1 Thessalonians 2. So, back to this whole theme about being different. And a word that really stood out to me as we went through that was the word, imitate now paul is, is talking there to the church and he says you imitate the churches in judea the churches in judea judea jerusalem the church is back in in the, in the in the area of israel so he's saying you're imitating the churches in judea and he's specifically talking about you're imitating the churches in judea in that you are being uh, persecuted but but certainly as i was going through this I, the, the idea of that, that that word imitate really caught me and i thought Let's just talk. think about that a little bit more, Just not just in terms of the persecution piece, but also just in terms of, well, imitating the church. I mean, we are, um, as you may gather from the banner, we are part of Commission. Commission is a stream of churches uh, that came out of an organization called New Frontiers, and this particular church is a church plant. It was planted, what, 15, 16 years ago, something like that? 18 years ago? Is it that long ago now? Wow. So, but I'm guessing, I wasn't here at the time, but I'm guessing when the church was planted, so it was planted out of Dorchester, that the way the church did stuff was very much based upon the way the church did stuff back in Dorchester. So it imitated the church in Dorchester. And the way the church in Dorchester did it was based upon other church experience. So we imitated. So churches are imitating, they're copying, they're learning from from, from one another. I thought it'd be good just to go back because we have some clear pictures in the Bible of what the very early church was like in Acts because we also looked at that we looked to the Bible how how should we do church we should do church not just the way they do it in Dorchester because the, you know we need to look are we in line with scripture with what the Bible is telling us we should do in terms of church so let's look so hopefully there we are got the order right now so Quick test of your reading ability or your listening ability, because I'm going to read this then, and I'm just going to get you to tell me what you think some of the, the, the marks of the early church were based upon this passage from Acts 2. Just to make sure you're awake, really. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, So we are. And you can these this is a picture from the church in the very early days of Acts. And it's in the Bible for us to take, again, it's scripture, so it's for us to take this and apply this. This is a picture for us to carry forward. We're asked, we're we're not called to reenact the early church. So the early the early church would also have worn, probably worn sandals, they would have eaten certain meals uh, in, in, you know, they'd have in the diet of their day, and, where, and they would have um, used certain forms of address and certain types of greeting and all of that sort of stuff. They'd have spoken in different language. We're not called to do any of that stuff. We're not called to imitate any of that. We're not called to reenact the early church. But the church looks back to those early days, and we look to apply these that the marks, some of the, the marks of the early church, the way they did things. So, what, what are some of the things that. So, it's really easy. It's one of these sort of. Anyway, yeah, go on. So who's, who's awake? But, what are, some, what are the, some of the marks of the early church from these passages in Acts? The breaking of bread, okay? And what do you mean by the breaking of bread? Yeah, so communion, remembering, remembering Jesus. But also eating, you know, breaking your bread, gathering around the table, eating, having meals together. Meals are a really important part of church life. No one was it out because they shared. Yeah, that was amazing. They devote themselves. to The apostles' teaching, absolutely. So yeah, reading yeah, reading the Bible is is the way that we 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 would apply yeah, and and obviously this sort of teaching that we're doing now and all the other teaching, the many many different forms that happen. So it's that it's that willingness to to learn and to grow and to be open to God speaking to you and moving to you, moving in your life through through word and through teaching. Yeah. Yeah, so, so certainly the whole thing, what you're saying there, Bob, is about people not going off and doing their own thing. So it's about staying as a group. It's about staying, because they met together. There are there other verses as well in Acts where it talks about how they met. They met daily in the temple courts. They met and they encouraged one another, and more and more people were drawn in. So these are just some of the sort of, sort of images of the early church in Acts. And I think it's, it's not unreasonable to assume that many of these, all of these things would have applied to the early church in thessalonica as well and remember remember, paul went and set this church up he went into thessalonica he created the set church there and went away after a few months time and, and left them without any experienced christians if there were many experienced christians around in those days remember it's a very new faith really uh you know you're talking about sort of 20 30 years or so after jesus had died so it's so it's still very new faith and Relying very much upon the Holy Spirit to do His work in that community, and it has been so encouraging for Paul to hear that yeah, the church is still there, and it's growing, and it's uh, well, it doesn't actually specifically say it's growing, but I, 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 yeah, it's not reasonable to assume that. Certainly, the Lord was adding daily to the numbers uh, in the early church in Jerusalem. So, the question for us is just: is, is who are we imitating? Who is who is? talk about the church, talk about our church and, and, and where we get our cues from as to what we do. So, you know, what we do in our traditional churches, but also what we do from, from the, uh, you know, the way looking at the early church in the Bible. But in terms of our own lives, who, who are you imitating? Who do you look to as a role model in your life? I mean, how many of us, for example, regularly read Christian biographies? Yeah, anybody? Yeah, yeah. So it's... Um, who and who watches? Uh, I'm always wary of talking about things like Christian films and stuff in Christian books, because at the end of the day, a book isn't a Christian and a film isn't a Christian. It's 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 people who are Christians. It's not books and films and stuff. But I think there's a real encouragement to think about who are your Who are you looking to, to to model yourself upon? I mean, Paul talks about, uh, and Steve mentioned this last week about Paul. Said, Paul says, you know, imitate me. And there was a couple of other verses as well. Remind me, Rachel. One of the other, some of two of the other verses. Some of the other verses he talked about. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. Rachel's Bible knowledge is somewhat. We talked about this in the car yesterday. She's pulling faces at me now. Um, right. Anyway, so the, but Paul, a number of places in the in, yeah in his letters, in, encourages people to imitate him and to and to look to him. And what Paul is not saying there is, he's not saying I am perfect. He's not saying I have got all the answers. I've got everything right. But what he's saying is, look, you know. You know, I, I, I'm setting a certain standard. Look to me. If you're not sure, look to me. If you want cues, but this and for all of us, I mean, who do we look to in our own lives? Uh, and I would just encourage us to to be active and to and to want to move forward in our Christian life. At the end of the day, we didn't become Christians. It wasn't just a case of God saying, or saying yeah, I've become a Christian, great, and now just, you know, my, my ticket is sorted. I've got, t- got the golden ticket, I'm done, and now I can just carry on. But actually... The Bible is very clear about there's, there's, there's an encouragement to grow, you know, to, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There is a, it's an ongoing process. Yes, Jesus died for us, and we put our faith in him, and, that, and, and through grace we are in him, and we are secure. But it doesn't stop there. God is building a kingdom, and he's using us to do that. So my encouragement to all of us is to think, well, who are we imitating? And and make an active point. And who what other and what other stuff is coming into our life that maybe isn't so helpful? You know, it talks about the eyes being the lamp of the body. What do you see? What do you watch? What do you read? What goes in? What do you allow to go in? Apparently, one in seven internet searches are for pornography. yeah it's a genuine issue for a lot of people. Rachel w- moves in the world of, uh, of of novel writing, and certainly there's a lot of lightweight romances out there and a lot of the historical romances in the sort of the area where Rachel writes, and a lot of them are quite racy and there's varying degrees of raciness you know they're even cat- almost categorized by the different sort of labels on the t- you know mills and boone if you want the really really racy stuff it's got one label and the slightly less racy has got another and so the pornography thing isn't just for men it's for women as well what do you read what do you allow to go in and to shape your thoughts potentially that you are imitating that you're allowing to shape you because that's an enemy attack and we're going to come on to that in just a moment we're going to come on to the next piece in Thessalonians where, where we talk about the fact that we're under attack. Okay, so Rachel stole my thunder earlier on and she asked you all to, um, what was it you asked them to do? To, to, anyway, what I was going to do now, what I'm doing now, is, is before we move on, it's, I just encourage you just, just to have a moment of thankfulness. and yeah, Turn to the person next to you or someone nearby and what are you thankful for? We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare in a minute. And we're going to be talking about some of the challenges there. And it's it's good to acknowledge what we're thankful for. And it could be a really simple thing. Just thankful that, I don't know, that you're here this morning. Whether it's sunny outside or it could be something else. So just take a moment just to turn someone next to you and just say, just tell them one thing that you are thankful for. So many of those aspects of the church that we looked at just now are things that the world would look at and say well people being nice to each other and encouraging one another and sharing stuff and being generous and that's all good stuff isn't it i mean how could how could uh, how could anyone really object to that um, and yet they were under attack Again, I've missed my slides up here. Well, I haven't messed the slides up. I wasn't entirely sure how the order would go for this this morning, so I am jumping around a bit backwards forward, forwards, so apologize for that. Um, but previous verses. Um, so, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. And particularly in terms of the imitation, you suffered from your own people. So the Thessalonians suffered from their own people The same things as the churches in Judea suffered from the Jews. The Jews killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and they also drove us out. So the churches in Judea, and particularly Paul and Timothy and Silas, jumping on, Mm. sorry. Uh, They, talking about the Jews here, displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles. There's a real hostility there. There's a hostility. It's talking about hostility. People are Hostile to the church, the church that's doing all these good things and being nice to people and all the rest of it. People, are, they're hostile from, uh, keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so they may, may be saved. In this way, they heap up sins to their limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So the church in Thessalonia is being, Thessalonica, how do you pronounce it, Thessalonica? Is, uh, is 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 being yeah is being is, is suffering from its own people in the same way that the church in Judea suffered from the Jews, so there's that real sense of physical attack, physical persecution, uh, and that's a challenge for the church around the world today. Now it's not something that we particularly experience here uh, in any in any challenging ways but I think even as individuals I know going back to the whole school thing when I was a Christian at school there was an element of persecution there for you know being teased and all the rest of it for for, for um for my beliefs and I think many of us maybe have experienced that as we were Christians when we were younger but this is people persecuting us but there's something behind the people and that's what refers people's persecution and that's what Paul goes on to refer to in the next um part of the letter but brothers and sisters we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person not in thought and out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you so paul's said, yeah i wanted to come and see you we, we felt separated from you we wanted to come and see you but we wanted to come to you certainly paul i did or paul uh, certainly i paul did again and again so paul was trying again and again but satan blocked our way that's an interesting little Line there, Satan blocked our way. Now back in Acts 16, I think it is, uh, Paul and Timothy and Silas were prevented. It says in Acts that they were prevented from going to Asia by the Holy Spirit. Here, Paul is saying, I'm being prevented from coming back to you guys in Thessalonica by Satan. Holy Spirit stopped me, Satan stopped me. Now we have no idea what that actually looked like. How, how, in what way did the Holy Spirit actually stop Paul? In what way did the Holy Spirit, did, did Satan actually stop Paul in this case? Um, but Paul certainly was aware of the difference. Paul had the sense of discernment, the gift of discernment. He could tell that this is a satanic attack. Um, and this is where, if this was a film, this is where the lights would go down and the clouds would come over and the music would get a bit, because we are under attack. We have a very real enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Satan, yeah, we often make the, the, the devils be made a bit of a figure of fun, really, often in, in our culture, you know, all the horns and tail, tail and all of that sort of stuff. But the reality is that there is a real enemy out there Satan, fallen angel. And he fell with, um, I, I think, sort of the, the general accepted interpretation is that he probably fell with a third of the angels from heaven. Which is quite a good encouragement, and it's so right in the okay, so it's not good that he fell with a third of the angels, but at least it meant there's two thirds, okay, so he outnumbered. And Satan, is a real enemy, so these angels, the demons, they hate you, they don't just dislike you they don't just really, really dislike you. They hate you with an intensity and a ferocity. They are after you, and they are after you as much as they can. Uh, You know, they will do what they can. And it's interesting that when Jesus was on the earth and the Holy Spirit was being poured out on him and he was doing amazing things, that there was, he was also casting out demons. There was a real visibility of uh, the demonic and certainly in the early church, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and there were, you know, a lot, again, um, there was a lot of spiritual opposition. And it's a measure of you know, how we're pressing in as to how much opposition we we'll get. So it's a challenge for me, and it's a challenge for all of us, is if we want to press on into the things of God, we are going to see more opposition. We are going to see more opposition, and that will come in different ways. And we mustn't see the devil behind every lamppost and behind every wheelie bin and all of that sort of stuff. You know, there is just stuff in life that happens, and we are fallen, and there are, you know, we're tempted by things. So we shouldn't overdo this. We shouldn't over-spiritualize stuff. We shouldn't, it's not the devil behind everything. And, the, and the, the devil's a real individual, and the devil probably doesn't actually pay much attention to us as individuals. He's got bigger fish to fry, or whatever the terminology is. But certainly we are, as individuals and as a church, under attack. When we, when we worship, like we did this morning, we are making a statement. We are making a supernatural statement. And we are claiming ground, spiritual ground, for God. Worship is really important. We must, you know, it's something to, to take on board in your own life and in the life of whatever you know, commun- group you're in. You know, worship is really important. I don't want to over, overplay this. or oh, It has gotten a bit darker, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to overplay this, but on the other hand, I don't want to understate it either. We are up against a real enemy, and we need to be a guard against that. And As I said earlier on about the things that you look at and the things that you do and the things that you say, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. In Peter it says he's like a roaring lion looking to devour So that's a challenge for us as individuals and as church. We are under attack. The great good news is that we know we've already won. Jesus has already won. The Because, um, yeah. of course, the reason why the world doesn't like us is because of this. And the reason why the devil doesn't like us is because of this, the cross. Jesus went to the cross and died for each one of us, that we might have life. And we have that victory. We have that assurance. But the devil has been allowed to carry on. And there's a whole question around that. We've, we've just done, uh, um, I meant to mention this earlier on, we've just finished our foundations course for the last two years, uh, Rachel and I and Elaine, who's walking her th- Thousand kilometres or whatever it is today, have just done foundations, two years of theology and leadership training, and that finished yesterday. And we all have certificates that say it finished. So, and thank you for your support and encouragement um, in that. Uh, and for the last couple of days, actually, the the yesterday we were looking talking about end times, which is quite heavy. All the we sort of talking about earlier, uh, and the day before was was all about spiritual warfare. So we're talking about again about this whole issue and the fact we are under attack and we need to, um, to uh, you know, guard ourselves against that and, and be wise in that. And a lot of the stuff that we talk about there, we think we're not entirely sure how this works. Why does God allow the enemy to roam around still? Why does, if God is defeated, if the devil is defeated and we are going to see Jesus come back, um, and uh, uh, why, why, why does this happen? And there are lots of other questions, you know, like, uh, like the one right at the start about, well, I'm chosen. What about all the people who aren't chosen? And you know what? There's stuff that we can't answer. There's stuff that we can't answer. And I think if we could answer it, I would be concerned. Because it says, is uh, it in Corinthians? It says that God's foolishness is greater than man's wisdom. We, are, we worship a God who is so far above. We, there must be mysteries, there must be things we cannot understand, because otherwise it's not, He's not God. He's beyond our comprehension. But through his grace, he came to earth as Jesus, his son Jesus, and connected with us and allowed us to put our faith in him and went to the cross and paid the price for each of us. So we are under attack. There is a very real attack on us, and that, was, that attack was stopping Paul from getting to. Thessalonica. Um, and there's a bit in Ephesians where they put the full armor of God on. So these guys are all wearing the, uh, well, they're, they're medieval reenactors in this case, looking somewhat bored. Um, but, you know, an illustration of the, the full armor of God. And then we come to the end. And Paul's talked about this. So he's talked about the fact that, you know, you guys in Thessalonica, you're being persecuted like the church. Back in Judea, is and and I've been stopped, I've been prevented from coming to see you by the devil. Satan has stopped me from coming to see you. But he ends this chapter, and the book wasn't written in chapters, by the way, the chapters have been added later on. But he ends this particular section by saying, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in his presence of law when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. For what is our hope? Who's hope? Who's he talking about here? Who's the hour? Who are the, who, and, and, and the crown in which we will glory. Who's the we? Who's the hour? This is the people who wrote the letter. This is Paul and Silas and Timothy. Our hope, our joy, our crown that we will glory in. Hang on, don't we normally talk about glorifying God? This is Paul talking about his glory. And who's his glory? In the presence of the Lord Jesus, when he comes, talking about the second coming, so when Jesus comes back, who will our glory be in It'll be in you. Is it not you? You are our glory and joy. And Paul is looking into the Thessalonians and encouraging them. You are our glory. Of course, we worship Jesus. But there's a a hint there of rewards. The rewards, the crown, the rewards that we will get in heaven. And again, that's not an area to really dig too much into. I mean, if you like like Rachel and I, we're, we're really big on, we collect nectar points. And we like to uh, maximize our nectar points every now and again. Sainsbury's do a special double up and they will, you can get, you know, if you cash in this many d- nectar points this week, you get twice as much value and you can buy 20 pounds more. Anyway, and, and, and we work hard to make sure we get the absolute maximum value out of our nectar points. We really do. We can spend hours in Sainsbury's oh, just totting it all up. And when I first really cottoned on to this thing about rewards in heaven, you know what, my, I'll be honest, my first thought was, oh, how do I get the most out of those rewards in heaven? How do I maximize that? How do I, you know, my nectar points in heaven? How is that going to work? I want to, I want to get the maximum. You know, I want the biggest house. You know, I want the, I want, I want, and I, 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 you know, it's not like that. What's the first commandment? The first commandment is 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 not to is not to gather your nectar points in heaven, is it? Is, is, what is it? It's the first commandment. love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's the first commandment you know, and so that's what we do, we pers- it's not about pursuing the, gift, the, the, the rewards, there will be rewards in heaven, and that's worth remembering, you know, when you're thinking there, I've got my golden ticket, but you know what, and I've also got grace, so it doesn't matter if I just step over here occasionally and do this thing that I probably shouldn't do, you know, that does matter, it makes a difference, it makes a difference. And you here, we are also, I would say, part of Paul's glory. We're part of that ongoing church that he helped to establish. But also not just Paul's glory, but those people who've fed into your Christian life over the last days, weeks, months, years, decades, not quite centuries. Um, But those people who fed into your life, you you, you are part of their glory, their crown. To me, there's a bit of responsibility there, you know, actually. You know so I, I, I need to actually respond to that. i'm I'm I, Not everybody that Paul saw come into his churches stayed in his churches. not all of them stayed in the faith. you know, he there are a number of people in the letters where he names, you know people have fallen away, people have turned their back on him, people have you know so it, it, he didn't keep everybody in the churches. And that was so really disheartening but the challenge for Paul and for us is to keep pressing on who are you feeding into who have you been given to build into who's going to become your glory part of your crown in heaven you know if you've got children then you have a responsibility for your children now like those people in Paul that didn't all stay I know that for some of us you know we we're blessed we've got four daughters and they're all they're all uh, walking with the Lord, they're all involved in local churches, which is great, but I know for many people, that hasn't always been the case, by the way, but I know for many people, you know, they've got some children who are, who are away from the Lord right now, and that is hard. You know, and God understands that, and that is really hard. But your responsibility as a Christian parent is to build into their life and to keep praying for them and to keep praying for them. It's their responsibility as, as to what, how they choose to go. But also locally, your spiritual children, who are you building into? Who are you putting stuff into? Whose life are you feeding into? I want to give, make that a practical thing right now. I want to give us an opportunity to build into one of another's lives. So earlier on, um, I got you just to sort of share a, a word of thankfulness. What I'd like you to do now is I'd re- I'd like, as we finish, I'd like you to share a word of encouragement with somebody. A like, word of encouragement just could be you know, Mike, you're a child of God. Um, person who I don't know, you are, you are. You know, you know just be blessed. You, know, you, don't, you don't have to be something specific, but there may be something specific. So I think I want us to finish. Musicians want to come up. I would like us to finish. Well, a picture of the crown, by the way. Apparently the crown in the sort of, uh, in, in New Testament times, the, the crown they tend to refer to was a crown of celery leaves. Uh, it wasn't the crown that we think of as a crown with um, gold and jewels. So the crowns that athletes competed for was a crown of celery leaves. So that's the step up from celery leaves. But uh, it's, uh, you know. But so Mick, a couple of weeks back, talked about we are chosen. We are chosen. God has chosen each one of us individually. And that is amazing. We're loved. Steve reminded us last week. We are loved And yeah, we're different. We're different from this world that we're in. We are going a different way because we have chosen, or we have been chosen, to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to meet together as a community and to serve him and to encourage one another. And it says in Hebrews, it says, um, uh, encourage one another daily so that sin doesn't creep in or something like that. Sin doesn't harden your heart. Encourage one another daily Now we tend to meet once a week, maybe if you're doing connect group, you meet twice a week. Hebrews it says meet daily. So there's a challenge for me and there's a challenge for you. What can we do to encourage one another daily? We've got text messages, we've got Facebook, we've got can we can we be doing that? And some of you aren't part of this church, but the same applies in whatever context you're in. So my challenge to all of us, really, at the end of this, my urging, Steve talked about urging last week in his his preach, and we we, we like the idea of being loved. We're not always so keen on being urged. I don't like being urged. I don't really like being told what to do from the front, but that partly is a bit of a rebellious thing in me that's not good. It's not a good thing. So my challenge to us, to me, is that can we encourage one another daily to help with that spiritual protection, but to protect us from sin? I want to start that right now, just as I said, go around, encourage someone, uh, encourage more than one person. You know, there's no limit. You don't have to stop at one. If you want to pray for people, do. And Rachel's just going to lead us in a last song as we do that. So please, that's my encouragement. And you can choose not to do that, but I would say, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ here and you want to go on in your faith, then why would you not want to encourage somebody? Why would you not want to be prayed for? So let's do that. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's see God build us up, strengthen us. We want to push into the things of him.